Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the hump day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on, and your good friend and host is always on the move these days. I'll be headed to Rueville, Mississippi a little bit later today. I will be at the farm restaurant with uh, my good friend Sam Denton and his buddy Dennis be there uh, this evening. Come by, say hello. Come buy some books. Talk some football. Whatever you guys want to do. But that's Rueville, Mississippi. And uh, that'll be... Let me give you some times here on that. That'll be from 5 to 8, and that's 107 West Floyce Street in Rueville. I guess if you know where Rueville is, you probably know where the farm restaurant is. Saturday will be a busy day. Campus Bookmark from 8 to 12 and The Lodge from 1 to 4. And then Sunday, I'll be in Ridgeland, Mississippi at the Barnes & Noble from 1 to 3. So if you are in those areas and would like to come by, say hello, buy a book, those good things, come by and do it. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, the, uh, the best place to go break bread in Starkville. Great family place. A lot of options there. I encourage you to go find your own favorites. And some of our good friends in Tupelo are finding their favorites at their new location, Bulldog Burger Company. They're on Gloucester Street. Uh, I love going in there. Matter of fact, I think we'll be there tomorrow night. I think that's right. But uh, we'll have a good time there. And there's, it, I have never left there disappointed in the service. I've never left there disappointed in the quality of the food. I've never left there disappointed in the pricing. It just, it's a good experience all the way around. So if you're looking for an affordable family night out, Bulldog Burger Company is the place to go. It is a restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District. And now two locations to serve you in Starkville and Tupelo on Gloucester Street as well. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So Mississippi State, 
since we have been together, let's kind of do a bit of a recap here. The Mississippi State women had another huge ball game offensively uh, against Troy. You know, Troy was an NCAA tournament team that came to start here a couple years ago. Uh, but uh, we did not play well defensively. And Vic Schaefer spoke about it extensively following the ball game Monday. We spoke again with Vic yesterday. He was a little more subdued, and as he mentioned, hey, you know, coach has got to realize that it is November. It is a relatively young team. They're kind of finding a sense of themselves. But I saw some of some reaction to Vic's comments, and some people were like, you know, we won by 40 points. So why is he so upset? You know, we gave up over 80, though. This is what makes Vic Schaefer the best coach on the Mississippi State campus. And it's one of those things you hear a lot in one of those cliches. Joe Moorhead has mentioned it many times. Don't accept in victory what you wouldn't accept in defeat. That, that's what you saw from Vic Schaefer Monday night in the postgame. A lot of people have talked about that and said, you know, man, he was awful hard on those girls. It's because there is a standard now at Mississippi State. There is a standard that we're going to play defense. There is a standard we're going to get back in transition, and we're going to make people grind it out and run the shot clock down, and we're going to make them work for a basket. We're not going to give it to them. And so when he gets up there and you say, you know, man, we scored 122 points. Vic, calm down a little bit. I don't want Vic to calm down, neither do you. I want Vic to hold everybody accountable to the standard. That doesn't matter how many points we score or what the margin of victory is. You, you think Nick Saban just mails it in? Guys, gals, and you've seen it. Nick Saban in Alabama will be, uh, you know, up, up 50 points, and in the final two minutes some kid makes a stupid penalty, and Nick Saban's blowing a gasket like it's the, you know, the game is on the line. It's because... There has to be a uniform foundational standard. So you know what? This is what we're willing to accept, and this is who we are. This is our identity. And here are the things that we're going to do, no matter who we're playing, no matter what the score is, because that is what is required to be a part of our basketball program. That's what I heard Vic Schaefer say. I didn't see him being cruel or being uh, mean or full of coach speak. I, I think Vic is disappointed because we did not live up to our own standards. We did not live up to the standard that has been set by the previous women's basketball classes in recent years that have achieved some great things. When I think back about that press conference on Monday, and I shared this yesterday uh, with some, some peers when we were getting ready for Vic to speak, that's what takes you to the Final Four. It's not talent, because everybody in the, you know, the, the Sweet 16, everybody's got a lot of talent. The attention to detail, the ability to remain engaged, no matter the margin of a ball game, that is what gets you to the Final Four. That is what will win you a national championship. There are a lot of times people go out there and say, well, you know, I mean, you know, we'll just go ahead and coast here in the fourth quarter. No, you don't coast. You put your younger players in and you still run your offense. You, you, may, you, you may not get out and run. You may not press. But you're going to get out there and you're going to run your scheme and you're going to play with effort. You're never just going to dog it. Losers dog it in the fourth quarter. And so I, I am I am 100% supportive of the way Vic Schaefer handled that. And I was happy that he handled it the way that he did. Now, like he said yesterday, you know, a, a good night's rest changes your perspective on a lot of things. I know he walked it back a little bit yesterday, but the message has been sent to the team. Is you know what? We're not going to get out here and just outscore people and play with a lack of effort on the defensive end. I think that's outstanding. He said on Monday night, he goes, all we did was just show the nation that, that, that we, we're not going to get back and compete on transition defense. What is what you have it? You cannot allow that to continue because if you let it happen in the fourth quarter or really the whole ball game against Troy if you let it happen against Troy you'll let it happen against South Carolina you'll let it happen against Tennessee you'll let it happen against LSU and so you go ahead and instill in those ladies now is you know what we're not going to do that I know it's November 
I know it's a non-conference game. I know it's a home game that we won handily, but we're not we're not going to allow that. And so it's a good thing, and it shows, again, the kind of coach that Vic Schaefer is. It would have been far easier just to go out there and say, you know, hey, we'll, we'll get it right. You know, we'll get it right. But he was talking to his team through the media. And you could watch those ladies, and you could see in their body language, they, even the ones that did a good job, everybody's like, you know what, it's going to be a long day in practice tomorrow. And I'm sure it was. And it should have been. Because you've got to go out there and play to the best of your ability. You know, it's one of those things that I, I worked for a guy named Frank Thomas once. And uh, he, he said several things that I remember. But one of the things that kind of is appropriate for this situation is he said, you know, I get tired of people telling me that they're going to do their best. But what are you going to do when better is required? You've got to elevate yourself. You've got to train. You've got to make a concerted effort to get better. You know, people want to do their best. People, when people say, well, I did my best, a lot of times they really didn't do their best. That's just an excuse they use. You know, and when your best isn't good enough, then maybe perhaps somebody else needs to play or somebody else needs to get the promotion or somebody else needs to be in that position. Because sometimes your best isn't good enough. And so what you got to do now is make your best better. And that's one of the things that the coach talked about yesterday. Is you know we're going to address some things in in practice and transition defense, but part of that is not excusing the negative behavior, and that's why I thought Monday was really so refreshing. And I really think, and I'm not trying to be critical of other coaches on the Mississippi State campus, but I, I really think the way that Vic Schaefer handled that is how we should handle that campus wide, not just in athletics. I'm going to share something with you, too, that kind of irritates me, and there's some people that will hear this that maybe can bring change. But, you know, every day that I pass the Bryan building, you know, I could look out there and say, you know what, hey, the, you know, the pond is, is filled, and I went up, I passed by yesterday, and there were several people out there running. It was a beautiful, crisp day. It was, it was a cool day. The sun was out there. It was a beautiful day. And I make that turn by the Bryan building, and the yeah, Bryan building is a beautiful building, and and I pass over all those uh, you know, that beat up asphalt that we've got out there. You know they, they've made some progress right there from uh, you know behind Duty Noble. All that's been paved, and eventually I'm sure they'll get the whole thing done. But I passed the Bryan Building, and uh, the John H. Bryan sign outside uh, looks like it's got a little mold or something on it. And I look at those things, and those are the things that kind of irritate me. And maybe it's that retail lie that I had from being a retail manager so many years. But I just think to myself, how many people pass that every single day and don't do anything to fix it? And what happens is, this is one of the things I learned from being in retail so many years, is once you pass by it once or twice, you think, okay, well, you got to make a mental note, got to get that taken care of. But then when you don't do it, it becomes part of the scenery. You just kind of accept things as they are. And it seems like a minor thing, but, you know, we always talk about, you know, the details matter. You know, I, I think we should take pride in all things Mississippi State. You know, what, what would it take, five minutes, for somebody to go out there with a pressure washer and clean that sign up? And, and maybe they do it. Maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe just because of the fact that some of the trees around there are, you know, are, are going through their seasonal shedding. I don't know. But to me, it's just a bad look, you know. And it's one of the things too that I used to think about. It's changed now. They fixed it. I actually mentioned it to John Cohen one day, and then the next time I went in there, it was fixed. We used to go in the seal complex, and we used to have these press board curio cabinets that we held the trophies in. And uh, I'm sure somebody donated those curio cabinets, since I'm not going to be overly critical about the quality of those curio cabinets but they were they were essentially manufactured wood they were press board curio cabinets there wasn't anything special about them but i'm sure it was a nice gesture that somebody gave to mississippi state and said hey this is what we'll do personally i think we should have had something nicer so if you donated those i'm sorry if you think i'm being overly critical i'm sure your heart was in the right place but we're not using them anymore so apparently somebody agreed with me but every time that i would walk in the silk complex I would see those trophies sitting there. We'd, you know, we'd have all these great trophies, and we're, and we're trying to show these things off. And then, and then every the, the, their streaks on the glass, and the, the the trophies are are dusty. And I think to myself, you know, how many people that work in 
in that complex that are paid, you know, from a facility standpoint, walk by those trophies every day, and nobody ever thinks to pass a rag over those trophies. I mean, we're trying to show them off because we're proud of them, and we're letting them sit there and collect dust. That's that's been corrected. But I don't want anybody, from the head football coach to the university president to the custodian, to just think, ah, it's good enough. And I don't think we have that with Mark Keenum, and I know we don't have that with John Cohen, but there are a lot of people I think sometimes we just say, well, you know, it'll, it'll be okay. You know, the it'll be okay mentality helped Mississippi State back. The it'll be okay mentality had us going 0-16 and 3 in the Egg Bowl for 19 years. The little things matter. The little things matter. And we're going to go invest all this money and, you know, to build cathedrals to our athletic programs and things of that nature. But there's some little things, too. There's some little things that get overlooked that sometimes got to be taken care of. And I don't know who's responsible for any of that. And if I've upset you, you know, I, I guess that's something you'll learn to live with. But when I go on that Mississippi State campus, I take pride in everything we have. And it's one of the things, the more that I travel, the more that I travel, and I've shared this with many fans, the more that I travel, the more that I realize this is not my dad's Mississippi State. Love my dad, miss him every single day. But what we have today is leaps and bounds what he had when he was a student here in the 1960s. It's not even close. This is not our dad's and our granddad's Mississippi State. Our administration's come a long way, made a real commitment to facilities. And as a result, we're putting a better brand of athletic programs on the field. 13 teams last year, a school record in the postseason. We're making a commitment in those things. But there's more we can do. When I walk around that campus and I, and I, and I travel and I, I see things and I think, you know what? Many of our fans don't understand how good we have it. Not saying we should be satisfied with that, but we have made a real commitment. We talk about Duty Noble Field regularly. And it's one thing Chris Lamontis told me last year, a one on one interview, is nobody has what we have. Well, he had a better point of reference than I did because I hadn't traveled nearly as much with college baseball. But after attending every road series last year, save the Ole Miss series, Dave Murray covered that for us. But between Dave Murray, we went to every Mississippi State baseball game last year, every single one. And after seeing Bomb Stadium at Arkansas up close, and after seeing uh, you know Bluebell Park at Texas A&M, and getting out and seeing Tennessee, I began to realize. You know, I think if, if some of our fans would get out and go see a little bit, they would have an even greater appreciation for what we have at Duty Noble. Sometimes we kind of take that for granted. I'll get a chance to see South Carolina this year, and I'm excited to see it. I've had many of our baseball parents that have said that's probably the second-best stadium in the SEC. Of course, Duty Noble being the first. So I'm eager to go see that. I'm eager to get back to the box. But there's, again we can take pride in what we have and we can still strive to be better. I don't think we should ever just, you know, pinch pennies and begin to think, you know, okay, well, here's where we are. You've heard me mention on this show more than once, in the 1980s, we had a donated trailer from Hamilton High School over in Alabama that our coaches cut up film in for football. And we're trying to go beat Alabama. And we're cutting up film in a trailer. All due respect to people that live in trailers. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying that the fact that we didn't have more of an athletic budget back then, that that's what we depended on a donation for our football coaches, uh, it, it's kind of a shame at times how our athletic departments have been managed. That's not what we are now by any stretch of the imagination. So let me move on a couple of things here because I could spend all day talking about the things that you know I think we need to do better. We uh, we didn't we didn't recap the weekend in football. I, I just want I don't want to go through that because it's all been regurgitated. You know, so many times you all kind of know where things stand. But uh, you know, we, we we did talk a little bit about you know the, the Alabama Mississippi State game and kind of where we stand there. You know, Florida of course beats Missouri. I think I think it's a fair assessment now to say that we're not going to have our ball tie-ins. We're we're just we're not going to have enough bowl eligible teams. Uh, you know to make all of our ball tie-ins. So we may not have an SEC team 
and the Liberty Bowl. And there's been some discussion about Ole Miss and, and their potential to be in an APR Bowl like we were a couple years ago. And it looks like now, if the chalk holds, that there will be there will probably be one APR Bowl. There will be a slot available uh, for somebody. And one of the things that Dave Murray had shared with me is that a couple teams ahead of Ole Miss are Pac-12 teams. And uh, the Pac-12 passed a rule recently, within the last couple of years, that they would not have any of their teams participate in a 5-7 and seven APR Bowl. So that's rather interesting. Now, uh, Mizzou, currently 5-5. Five and five. They will host Tennessee and then travel to Arkansas. So I think we all feel pretty confident about Mizzou being bowl eligible. The issue with them is going to be they are serving a, uh, a sanction. They are currently banned from postseason play for football. And so they have appealed that, and it is amazing to me that this has lingered on as long as it has. And you would think that because of the fact that the, there are some similarities, very there are some similarities between the Mizzou case and the Mississippi State case, other than the fact that Missouri had a, a true university employee that was involved in their tutor situation and that there was some undue influence, according to her, from athletic personnel to ensure that, uh, that certain players made their grades and the fact that Mizzou has been in regular trouble with the NCAA in recent years. If I had to call it today, I don't think Mizzou gets that lifted. It would be different if they were an 8-4 and four team. You know, a lot of people predicted them to be kind of the sleeper in the East this year, and uh, they're going to do no better than, than 500 in the league because they're 2-4 and four in the conference. So, again, they host Tennessee this week and then will be on the road at Arkansas. Interesting. Senior day for them. So they will get their sixth win, but there is no guarantee that they will be in a bowl game. Kentucky, similar situation, 5-5. Five and five. However, they should achieve bowl eligibility this weekend. They will host Tennessee Martin there in Lexington and then host Louisville the next weekend. So they could end up being a seven and five team, but you got to feel like they will certainly be bowl eligible. You know that Louisville game. You know that that's become a lot more competitive since they've made the change up there. And uh, but Kentucky will be back in the bowl picture. And that's one of the things we talk about too about you know trending and that kind of stuff. This this is this is the Kentucky Kentucky in my opinion has kind of missed their window. You know last year they had some NFL players and kind of got to the end of a talent cycle. And they're kind of, you know, kind of in transition a little bit now. And, of course, they've had some injuries as well, too. But I think with Tennessee getting better under Jeremy Pruitt, and who would have thought we'd say that earlier in the year? I mean, that game against Mississippi State saved their season. But with now with Georgia rolling, Florida doing much better, Tennessee doing better, and the South Carolina-Kentucky thing kind of – they're kind of be battling back and forth for fourth in the league – and then Mizzou being in the league, I mean, you can, I could see Kentucky being a team that struggles to get ball eligible again. I think their window is closing rapidly. We know that Vanderbilt's not going to make it. They're 2-8, and 1-6 and six in the league. They will play East Tennessee State this weekend, probably your last chance to get a win, then travel to Tennessee. Vanderbilt has come out and said that they're going to uh, bring Derek Mason back after a, what is expected to be a 3-9 and nine season. They're pretty young on offense, but, uh, you know, it's interesting to me, you know, this the way that everybody kind of looks, it's almost like Vanderbilt is kind of devaluing football. There was a lot of discuss, discussion that, um, you know, Mike McIntyre at uh, Ole Miss, the D.C. might be a real candidate for the, uh, the Vanderbilt job should that job come open. And now Vanderbilt has come out and said that they won't. You know, he has been there since 2014, 26 and 46, been the two bowl games, lost them both. Won't be in a bowl game this year. Uh, you know, running down the numbers here, 3 and 9 and 14, 4 and 8 and 15, 6 and 7 and 2016. They make it to the Independence Bowl, they lose. They're 5 and 7 and 17, 6 and 6, get to the Texas Bowl last year, and then lose. It looks like the ceiling. For Vanderbilt under Derek Mason is six wins. But he has been to two bowl games in the last three seasons, and so I guess they decided, you know what, we're gonna stay here and we're gonna we're gonna make more of a commitment. I guess that's good for Ole Miss. 
you know, that they've you know, really not committed and they're the permanent East opponent for Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss's situation is still somewhat precarious. You know, they're four and seven, and uh, they're banking on a win over Mississippi State and uh, an APR exemption. It is not impossible, but it is very much a long shot. A lot can happen, and it'll all kind of come into focus after this weekend's games to see kind of exactly what they need and how many spots are going to be available. There is no denying that Ole Miss has found a bit of a spark with John Rice Plumley taking the snaps. They don't throw the football much at all. But they haven't really had to. You know, it's like that's the one thing, if you'll notice, you know, later in these ball games when teams begin to kind of get some separation, you know, they just kind of play a base defense. And then I, I think the way you stop Plumley is I think you stack the box and you dare him to throw. You probably got to cover more, got to double cover more out there. But I, I think you, you make John Rice Plumley beat you with his arm. I don't think you go out there. I don't think you try to rush the passer as much. I don't think you get out there. I think you want to contain him and keep him in the pocket. Because when he gets out, he kind of got some Johnny Manziel in him when it comes to uh, to freelancing. You know, when he gets outside and he has to create and extend plays, he can really hurt you. Uh, he is going to rush for over 1,000 yards, barring something totally unforeseen. He's at 989 right now and is the leading rusher uh, on that team. 136 carries, 989 yards, 11 touchdowns. So he is a real weapon there. Elijah Moore, eight, 64 catches, 815 yards, and five scores. So, you know, when Matt Corral's been in there, because he's thrown all the TD passes. Most of them, pardon me. Uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the transfer portal there. But uh, with, with Plumlee, you know, it's one thing we talked about on the show. You know, Rich Rod will know how to use him. We thought there would be some packages for him. I don't think anybody expected him to be the guy. And, hey, good for him. You know, good good for John Rice, you know. Uh, but, you know, John, I wish you the best, but uh, but not on Thanksgiving. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving dinner, but I hope supper's not very good. But, uh, you know, they're still in the mix. So they still got something to play for. You know, so it's not like they're going to come in and start going to lay down. And uh, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, if this APR thing was maybe the possibility that it is now. South Carolina has already, uh, you know, they're four and seven guys, and uh, they're going to play Clemson next weekend. All right, that's a loss. Uh, I think everybody could look at that and say, you know what, this is going to be a big problem. Really going to be a big problem. So, again, you know, when you begin to work through these probabilities and possibilities, you know, the SEC is going to struggle to put – a lot of teams in bowl games. You know, I think right now, I mean, Mississippi State obviously still not there. I mean, the only, right now, just running through the numbers, they're, you only got a handful of teams that are they're bowl eligible. That's Georgia and Florida from the east. You feel good about Tennessee making it. And, that, and then Kentucky will make it. And so that's four teams from the east. And then, of course, Missouri being the wild card because you don't know what's going to happen with NCAA, you know, uh, appeal. LSU, obviously, bowl eligible. Alabama, bowl eligible. A&M, Auburn, bowl eligible. Arkansas is not going to make it. State and Ole Miss still kind of in a the mix there. But one of those two will make it. The other one won't. It's as simple as that. So you'll have five teams from the West and uh, probably four teams from the East. So it's going to be close. You know, it's going to be difficult. You know, the bottom line is we need Mississippi State to win. We need Mississippi State to win these next two ball games, and life gets a lot simpler. There's been a lot of chatter, a lot of discussion about will Mississippi State make a coaching change at the end of the year. I would say three weeks ago, I would say after the Arkansas game, that all of that talk had really died down a lot. Okay, because a lot of people said, you know what, we you know we hadn't won a road game yet this year. I mean, the only, only game away from Davis Wade Stadium that we won was the neutral side game against the G5 team in Louisiana Lafayette. And there have been some games that we've been unprepared. And so, and I remember saying on this show, if we go over to Arkansas and get down early, we, we could be in a world of trouble. Well, it didn't happen. You go over there and you, you, you trounce them, as you should have, and I think everybody was kind of rejuvenated by the return of Tommy Stevens. And then last week, we're right back on the roller coaster again. Nobody expected Alabama 
you know, to come in here and lay down for Mississippi State, even though they had lost LSU. And I think I think even the truest of the true maroon expected Alabama to win the ball game. But I think everybody, including myself, expected State to be a little more competitive. They come right out and put the game away early, just like what we went through at Auburn. In some respects, just like we went through at A&M. And so there are some within the Mississippi State family that have said, you know what, listen, guys, that there has not been any evidence at this point to support the fact that we're going to be better next year. And so let's go ahead and make a change this year. If we know we're going to have to do it next year, let's go ahead and do it now and then give uh, whoever the new guy might be next year as a transition year. That's pretty sound thinking, if you ask me. And it's a gamble no matter how you do it. Of course, Mississippi State wins the next two ball games, then all of a sudden there's new life. You know, because one of the things, and a lot of people don't want to admit this, but I will admit it and I'll say it for us. You know, the fear of losing to Ole Miss is something that is always in the back of your minds. Always. It's, you know, I think about it too. We start playing the Egg Bowl right after the season opener. I mean, we all done it right. I mean, it's like, so they go up there and lay an egg at Memphis, couldn't score, couldn't move the football. Memphis probably should have blown Ole Miss out. Memphis couldn't get out of their own way a couple of times, but they won a close ball game. And the Mississippi State, Tommy Stevens goes out and throws the ball around pretty well against UL Lafayette, and everybody says, oh, we will kill Ole Miss. Well, then as the season goes on and things change, and all of a sudden we, you know, we have some issues, we have some injuries, and next thing you know, we're not playing so well. And then Ole Miss plays well in spurts, and they score some touchdowns in garbage time, and, but they show some explosiveness on offense. And Mississippi State has been very pedestrian on offense. And so we're already thinking, you know what, man, forget the fact that we got all these other games to play. We're going to get killed in the egg ball. Then the next thing you know, then, you know, Ole Miss has a bad game, and we have a really good game at Arkansas. And you're thinking, oh, man, if Tommy Stevens plays against Ole Miss, we'll destroy them. And so there's all this ebb and flow, but in the back of our minds, there's always this undercurrent about the game because we like winning the game and keeping the egg. And there are a lot of people with influence within the Mississippi State family. They're thinking, you know what, hey, you know, this was a chance for us to really separate. You know, old Mrs. struggled through probation. They've had the, uh, had the Hugh Freeze scandal. And so how in the world could we, after we go out and hire arguably the best offensive coach uh, in the country, how could we be in a situation where we're having to sweat out the egg bowl? And those are some of the things I think you begin to ask yourself. And say, so, you know what, what happens? Yes, we've had the Tudor Gate 10 thing, and that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, it's fair to say, you know what, that has negatively impacted the season. I think you win the Kansas State game. And I think you probably win a Tennessee game if you never have to deal with that. And some of you say, well, wait a minute, Steve. Some of the guys played in Tennessee game, and that's true, they did. But it's difficult when you've got guys one week in practice on the scout team and the next week with the ones. And so there is some chemistry, there is some continuity that is missing when you have to move those guys back and forth. And I believe if we didn't have that hanging over our heads, I think we'd probably win that ball game. That said, Mississippi State's issues in that game were really on offense. We simply couldn't do anything. Tommy Stevens had a dreadful day. And then you make the switch and you go with Garrett Schrader. And I don't know what Tommy saw that day, but he simply wasn't seeing the field well. So I think that's an issue. I think one of the things when you look back at last year, the, the big talk was, is, well, you know, Nick Fitzgerald is a running quarterback. He was recruited to play in the Dan Mullen spread that requires a lot of the quarterback runs. We're running a lot more of that now. You know, it's one of the things last year we said, hey, we ran a quarterback 200 times. It's way too many. When you go look at the numbers now, it's going to be pretty comparable. <laughs> it's going to be comparable, guys. And that was the thing. Is, you know, we, 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 we said we've kind of said one thing and done another. You know, we said we're going to throw it a lot more, but I don't know that we've got the personnel to throw it around as much as we want. But then you go get your guy, right? You go get your guy to come in and run your offense, and uh, the offense is really not that much better. 
and, and looking at the numbers here, Garrett Schrader with 93 rushing attempts, Tommy Stevens with 59. All right, so what does that work out to be? We're right there, what, 152? Two games left? We're going to be close to 200 carries again for the quarterbacks. And so last year the talk was, well, we didn't have a quarterback to run the offense, which is true, and that's not a criticism of Nick. It's just he was recruited to run a different different offense, and he wanted to throw it around, but that just wasn't in his wheelhouse. That wasn't in his skill set. But I think we threw it around. It was a couple games last year we we couldn't complete anything. And some of that's a good thing because, number one, we had some receivers that were still kind of learning to play college football. But then you get into this year and you get a guy in and you get a young guy, and Garrett Schrader, is, you know, and Garrett's not a very skilled passer. He will be in time. You know, he's 75 of 136 with five interceptions and seven touchdowns. He's played in eight games, started three. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards. Tommy Stevens has played in seven, and some of those he was injured. 67 of 108 for five, but he's completing at a higher percentage than Garrett Schrader, but a lot of those are checkdowns. You know, there, there are times that you know Garrett's gambled the football a little bit. But when you have your guys, and that's the thing too, I think about some of the Chad Morris situation. There are some similarities, even though the fact that uh, there have been some issues. So where does that leave us? You know, I mean that's that's the thing that we're all talking about now. And so I think everybody is kind of assuming a win this weekend. And much like we have all said for the past couple of weeks, is that, you know, it's going to boil down to the Egg Bowl. I think you win those two ball games and you know, just make, making the bowl game. I, I, you know, we want to win the bowl game, but I think I think you have to keep the egg and you have to go uh, get back into a bowl game. You know, last year we were expected to be a 10-win team. We ended up being an 8-win team. This year we expected to be an 8-win team, and now we're hoping to be a 6-win team. The trend is not positive. Yes, there are some extenuating circumstances you look at and say, okay, you know, we never knew this Tudor Gate thing was going to happen. We never knew we'd bring in a grad transfer quarterback and he wouldn't be able to stay healthy. But it's like the old expression says, is nobody cares about the labor pains, they just want to see the baby. You know, for the mom and the dad and medical professionals involved, they care. But all of us in the waiting room, we just want to know when the baby's here. We just want to celebrate. We don't want to handle the, the rigors and the grind of producing the football team. We just want to be able to be there on Saturdays to watch them win. Not just watch them play. We want to see them win. And so that's why I think we are where we are. You know, I would say a month ago after the Arkansas game, I would say, you know what? I don't anticipate any issues. I don't know that I feel that way anymore. I've heard a lot of things. And listen, you talk to enough people, you can hear whatever you want. But I do believe there has been some due diligence to ensure the continuity of the football program one way or the other. And so in the event that you you make a change here, that uh, I think that there have been some, some steps Maybe if something else, just to put some feelers out there to see what interest there is in a job. I have been told privately, and I won't give you any names, but I have been told privately that there has been some uh, some interest, that there has been some talk among agency circles, that there are some people that are, hey, you know, I'm interested in that job should it come open. Should Mississippi State come open, there have been some people that have said, you know what, I, I would like to have the opportunity to, to, uh, to interview for that job. This is not a bad job. We've proven we are committed to facilities and we're committed to salary if necessary. So that's something to consider. And you recall here a few years ago the the talk behind the scenes is that Scott Strickland was going to bring Rick Ray back for one more year. And then one day, just out of the blue, Rick Ray... Is terminated and Ben Howland is hired. And some of that is because Ben Howland became available. Ben Howland expressed an interest in getting back into coaching and showed interest in our job. So that is something to consider. 
It is not something completely off the radar. But I think the best thing for everybody right now is to find a way to go beat Abilene Christian and beat Ole Miss and then see what happens in there. I will also submit to you, for those of you that are thinking, you know what, maybe if we lose the egg ball, go ahead and stop now. Because if you're rooting for Ole Miss to win the egg ball, you're not a Mississippi State fan. You spare me with your, your big picture logic. You never cheer for Ole Miss to win the egg ball, ever, under any circumstances. And so... If you're one of those self-loathing state fans that says, you know what, doesn't that maybe be better for us? You know, it's not. It's there's never a situation where winning the losing the egg bowl is good for Mississippi State. It's just not. I want to remind you, our good friends at Campus Bookmark, they're they're here to serve you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Stan, the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole crew there. They will they will do what they can to help you outfit your family, your pet, your home, your office, your RV whatever you have, in the latest in Marooning White fashions. Mom, let me go ahead and speak to you on behalf of the kids and your husband, your significant others. They want new Mississippi State clothing. They do. They all want it. I want it. So if you're looking to buy me a gift, go ahead and buy me some Marooning White gear. I'll, I'll happily take it. That may be some old 80s out-of-print metal CDs, and I feel like a kid on Christmas. But you can find their fine selections and peruse their items for your procurement pleasures at campusbookmart.net. Visit them there on the World Wide Web, campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And I get you free shipping up to all orders over $50. Free shipping on all orders over $50 just by entering BSR at campusbookmart.net. Be sure to check that out. So it is a uh, an interesting week for us. You know, we mentioned uh, the women at the top of the hour. Uh, the men's team will be in action this weekend at Myrtle Beach. They're going to leave today, and they will be in Myrtle Beach and play Tulane tomorrow. We met with players yesterday, Reggie Perry, Tyson Carter, Ben Howen. Uh, they're excited and ready to go. We'll take on Tulane at 1 o'clock. Uh, Tulane also undefeated. You know, Mississippi State's 4-0. Tulane also 3-0. And uh, they are also playing their their first neutral site game. They were a uh, have played all three of their home games. All the games have been at home, so it'd be a new experience for everybody. And then, uh, depending on how the games play out, State will play either Middle Tennessee State or Villanova on Friday, and then have a game off the day off Saturday, and then play their third game on Sunday. All three of those games, Sunday we don't know who the opponent or the time is yet. That's to be determined based on how the games shake out. Uh, so all those games will be uh, televised on ESPNU. So you won't have to pick and choose between college football Saturdays and college basketball. So you can watch all of that kind of play out uh, on television. It's good stuff. You know, we've, we've got a lot to cheer for. We've got a lot to be happy about. We've got a lot of teams that are doing well. And so when we have a chance to get out and uh, and support the Bulldogs, we certainly should. Now, the women, they're also going out on the road. But it's kind of one of those home games away from home, and I kind of asked Vic Schaefer about that yesterday. There are a lot of people, for one reason or another, can't make it to start before a game, especially during the week. And so – you have these opportunities to take uh, take the team out on the road. And uh, as you guys know, whenever Mississippi State plays women's basketball in the state of Mississippi, Bulldog fans are going to take over the arena. They've done it in Oxford. They've done it in Hattiesburg. And they'll do it this week in Jackson. Now, they're going to do a meet and greet tonight, I believe, at the Hilton. I don't know all of the details on that. But uh, you can check the, uh, the Hell State page or the women's basketball uh, you know, Twitter feed. I'm sure they will. Uh, they'll let you know what's there. But they're going to play Jackson State, and then uh, get ready to roll. You know, and that, and that should be a game, obviously, that Mississippi State should should win. State's four and zero right now after the uh, the win against Troy. But on Thursday they'll be in Jackson. I guess Jackson State, and then Monday they're playing Marquette in Milwaukee. And then they go to that Greater Victoria Invitational thing in Canada. 
that should be a thing that State should win. And uh, that's going to be a pay-per-view deal. You can keep up with that with flowhoops.com. You can go find that on the Hell State page right there on the schedule. You can click the link there. But the uh, the women will be back in Starkville December 8th, Sunday, against West Virginia. That That's a, that's a quality non-conference opponent as well. The men will be back December 5th. So we will have no basketball in Humphrey Coliseum between now and December 5th. Just how this how how it worked out this year. So we're going to have a couple weeks off from that, almost three weeks before we have uh, basketball again at Humphrey Coliseum. Football takes center stage around here, and then we'll uh, we'll see how things go from there. So if you're looking to go see the the uh, the men's and ladies teams play, you're going to have to do it on the road, unless you're willing to wait until uh, to the that first full week of December. That first full weekend, that's that sixth, seventh, and eighth weekend. That's the Mississippi State's going to have a big, that big official visit weekend. Have a lot of recruiting stuff to talk about between now and then. And a lot of people say, "Well, Steve, what do you think about the recruiting class?" I, you know, I think that's two BD. I think that's to be determined because there uh, there's still some extenuating circumstances I think have to be settled. You know, if uh, if there is a coaching change. And that's a possibility. There, if there is a coaching change, then there, there will be some ebb and flow with your recruiting class. And so if you have to make a change, you got to do it quickly. If you don't make a change, and maybe some folks up the road do, and I know there's been some reports that Ole Miss plans to retain Matt Luke, which is interesting. I think it's one of those things, too. If if they're going to hang on to Matt Luke, I, I, don't, I, I think that might actually help Mississippi State in a coaching search if they decided to, to, to have one. But the fact of the matter is, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I would really like to see Joe Moorhead win. You know, Joe Moorhead has been easy for us to deal with. He's been very accessible to the fans. And so I would like to see things work out. I really want things to work out. But I also have 100% confidence in Dr. Mark Keenum and John Cohen that they will make the best decision for Mississippi State. And uh, I, I get your messages. There are a lot of people that will direct message me on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. And, I don't answer all of them, but sometimes I do. And there are a lot of people that are concerned. And it's not because they dislike anybody. And that's one of the things that I think people get caught up with. And some people do make it personal. They do make it personal without knowing the person. But it's because of their own affection and love for Mississippi State. They want Mississippi State to be successful. And if there's somebody that they believe is standing in the way of our success, then all of a sudden that person becomes you know, the, the target of their, of their rant whether it be on social media or in person or whatever. But uh, I really would like for this thing to work out, you know, for Joe. I don't I don't think it's in the best interest of Mississippi State to have to make a coaching change again within two years. But I also think it's impossible to ignore the fact that we may be trending in the wrong direction. We can all do the math. And, yes, again, you know, I can kind of get it. You know, hey, you don't have the personnel to run your scheme last year. Initially, you've had some injuries, but – you know, is that what confidence is there that next year is going to be a step in the right direction? You know, I think with Garrett, a healthy Garrett Trader for 12 games, I think you're a solid bowl team again. You know, maybe you go six and six this year and you win a ball game and you're seven and six and you've got some juice and you go into spring practice and Garrett's the guy and you've got a very manageable schedule next year. Should be able to win you know, most of those home games. I think you begin to look at that and say, okay, we'll be right back in the bowl, in the bowl picture. And then as Garrett grows and the team grows, then, you know, hey, you, you kind of get back to where you want to be. So it's a gamble. I mean, it really is. And people forget that, you know, Joe's the one that brought Garrett Schrader here. So all of that has to kind of be, you know, factored in. And I think the easiest thing is for Mississippi State just to win these next two and then go win a ball game, you end the season on three-game winning streak. And then you've got an off season where you begin to kind of build some momentum. You know, everybody knows that football is the uh, the top revenue-producing sport for everybody. It's generally football and men's basketball. And so Mississippi State basically has budgeted, you know, a bowl game every year. You know, we, we expect to be in the bowl picture every year. We expect to take our, a lion's share of the uh, the bowl revenue. We want to contribute to that. 
And so that's why it's so important to make a bowl game. It's not just about keeping the egg. Let's say, for an example, it's stated beating A&M or you're beating Kansas State and you're already bowl eligible. After this weekend, you still want to win the egg, but I don't think there's the same urgency. I don't think there is the same concern about that game. But you and I both know that nothing motivates the egg bowl rivals more than losing to each other. When one begins to leave the other in the dust, then the other begins to make some adjustments. Just as when Mississippi State wins the 1998 Egg Bowl and goes to Atlanta and is able to cart the Golden Egg Trophy around Vaught-Hemingway Stadium and to celebrate winning an SEC Western Division title. I don't mean sharing one. I don't mean putting a banner up and, and beating I mean a legitimate one. The one that requires your your team's name to be in the end zone in the, in the George Dome. But the bottom line is this. Is as State began to separate, Ole Miss took some steps to catch Mississippi State. And sometimes you catch them by elevating your pace, and other times you pull them back. And I f- firmly believe that a loss – to this Ole Miss team. And listen, I get that they have some explosive players on offense. I'm not being critical of that. But this is a 4-7 and seven Ole Miss team that has an FCS win, two wins over two win teams, and one win over a one win team. And yeah, they've scored some touchdowns in garbage time, and there have been some, you know, some, some extenuating circumstances you look at, you know, like, oh, well, Auburn played an emotional ball game, and they still put up 500 yards, but they couldn't finish drives, and they missed some field goals. But you know what? It's part of the game. Ole Miss is still in the game. And so there's a real fear that you could lose this ball game. And I think at this point, based on what I'm hearing, that would be very, very devastating to everybody involved. So we've got to avoid that at all costs. And I think a lot of this chatter that you're hearing on the message boards and social media, I think a lot of that is, is, is as a result of all of that. Is it's going to boil down to beating Abilene Christian, which we expect to do, and then beating Ole Miss, which we should do but it's far from a guarantee. Uh, Folks, it's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Friday. We'll preview the weekend. We'll look ahead to Abilene Christian, and we'll talk about the ball game that was on Thursday against Tulane and uh, talk about women's basketball as well. And so we'll have some more games to discuss and some more things to look forward to. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.